Hi, I'm Matt, and this is Weekends Off, a podcast where we tell stories about what it looks like to work at a church, leave a church staff, and more importantly, what it looks like to find a new career. I was a pastor on staff at a church for six years, and then I became a barista. After that, I got a job in banking, and honestly, I believe that life can be good with Weekends Off. Welcome to the first of two pilot episodes for Weekends Off. This is a new project that I'm working on where I invite friends of mine who have worked in churches before and have left the church role and instead pursued a role outside of the church, a different career, a different career path. And the goal here is to share these stories. It's not to be prescriptive as to give you a route to take, say these five things and you will find a new job outside of church, but rather it's to invite people on to tell their stories. It's a descriptive experience where we share, we are vulnerable, we tell a little bit about how we got from point A to point B, and I hope that it is helpful to you as much as I believe that it would have been helpful to me if I had a resource like this when I was going through this process. So this is going to be the first of two parts for the pilot, where I share a little bit about what it looked like for me to get involved with the church. How did I start becoming a pastor? Um, What was my first church role like? And I'll take us all the way through me essentially resigning my church role in Florida. And then in the second part of the pilot, I'll share what my story was like once I moved up to North Carolina And the process of going from kind of dashed ministry dreams to becoming a barista and then ultimately getting a job in banking, which is where I am today. So here's my story. To start off, how I got involved in ministry in the first place or even got involved in the church is when I was younger in high school, I wasn't going to church. Previously to that, I maybe went on uh, Easter and Christmas, but wasn't really much of a church attender myself. But in high school, I had met some people that were attending a church not too far away from my high school, and they invited me to church. Now, I wasn't anti-church, but I was not an attender. I was open to the idea. I ended up going and to (laughs) try to move forward in the story because I can be long-winded. I know that. Um, I started going and it really became a community for me. Um, it actually became my ma- my major friend group. Um, I would say that I got saved in this youth group. And I really looked up to the youth pastor because I saw him as somebody who helped to create and foster the community that I had found. And there was a spiritual aspect of it for sure. But honestly, for me, it was the community that I found that really inspired me to say, hey, I think that one day I want to be involved in a ministry like this. And if I could be a pastor or lead it, um, that would be even better. What, What greater way to make an impact than that? So I ended up going off to college after that experience, and I decided that I wanted to study religious studies, which was the closest thing to like a Bible degree that I could find in the small college that I went to in St. Pete, Florida. And I ended up pursuing that. I took as many Bible classes as I could. And around my sophomore year of, uh, of college, I started interning at a local 
well, it was about an hour away, but it was a local ARC church, ARC being the the group of churches, like the category of church. It stands for the Association of Related Churches. This is churches like Church of the Highlands, Celebration Church. The church that I had attended was called the Chapel. Um, There are a number of churches in the country that are considered ARC churches that may be well known for people that have a church background. I started attending that church, volunteering. I was playing music with the uh, worship team, with the band. And over the next year, two years, come to my senior year um, of college, I had started to intern in a pretty significant way, spending most of my time there. More time at the church than I did in any classroom, probably combined with the amount of time I was doing any homework for college. So I was pretty much like, this was the main thing that I was doing during my time. And the second semester of my senior year, I was offered a job on staff at that church as a youth pastor. And that position became the position that I held through my time in ministry for six years. Hey, I'm jumping in in the middle of my story to answer a weekends off question. Just a question about weekends and having weekends off. This one says, what is your ideal weekend dinner spot? Well, for me, my favorite restaurant in Charlotte has to be a place called Superica. Superica? I'm pretty sure it's Superica. Anyways, it's a Tex-Mex style restaurant. Um, There are two of them in the city. I'm not sure if there are other places as well, um, like other cities, but there are two of them in the area of Charlotte. One is like more in the center and then one is a little further out. But they have two types of salsas and free chips and they have killer tacos and they have very good margaritas called the OG Margarita. Um, I think it's Original Gigsta. Could be wrong. Maybe it stands for something else that's more margarita-y or more of a play on words. But um, yeah, my favorite place to eat. I love it, love it, love it. Um, I celebrate my birthday there. Favorite weekend dinner spot has to be Suprika. All right, back to the story. So there I was, 21 years old, the second semester of my senior year of college. I was in a dorm room and I had received and, uh, and had a phone call with my lead pastor offering me a youth pastor job. I was ecstatic. You could only imagine, and if those of you that got your ministry opportunity, it may have been a similar thing where this is what you had dreamed of. You know, you had told people that you were called into ministry and that uh, this would be the job for you and the job that you would do the rest of your life. And when I got that phone call and I was essentially given permission to do a full-time ministry role... Um, it was incredible. I can't explain the feeling any more clear. It was just like this ecstatic feeling of, of joy. And that joy was really carried into the next couple of years. I mean, that sustained me, just the we get to language of the role. And I want to take some time and express some of the things that I loved about the role um, over the six years that I did it. Um, I also want to talk about some things that I kind of regret about the role. And then I want to talk about some of my, uh, the, the reasons that I ended up deciding to quit. 
So what were some good things, things that I actually did enjoy about the job? Well, there was a lot. Um, there was a lot to, the, to be enjoyed. For those of you that are in church work or were in church work at some point, I, I'm sure there are things you could look back with fondness on. Um, I'm very nostalgic. You'll get to know that about me. Um, if you get to know me personally or if you listen to this show, I'm sure it will come out. But I was looking on Instagram um, at a number of posts related to youth ministry um, and the ministry that we were a part of. And, and one of the events that I just absolutely adored and was so glad that we did was something that we called Have a Go. Now, this was a five to 10 minute sermon message. I'm not sure what you would call it, but it was a it was an opportunity for a student to get on the platform and present a message that they had come up with and crafted um, with some help, obviously. And they had an opportunity to inspire and encourage their peers with a message that they had been working through or something that they felt like was worth sharing. And I love that. I think there were six or so people that we had gotten to um, six months of having done the program before the time that I had taken off um, and left the ministry. But man, that was one of the things for me that was probably the most special. And thinking about those moments of have a go, it makes me think of all of the underlying stories of the students that were involved. It wasn't just the moment of somebody being on stage. They weren't like a guest speaker, but these were students that had stories and had come through the element, some of them for seven years of being an eighth grade or sorry, a sixth grader and coming in and being a part of the community. And then some of them joining later on in their middle school or high school life. But it was always really exciting for me to see new faces, um, students that were coming in to just discover a community maybe, or coming in to just try to understand how to navigate their middle school or high school experience. I think we created a lot of really cool moments for students to learn more about themselves, to find that community, and really to make a change in their life. Um, There were students that I would say got saved in the ministry in certain moments, and um, I've kind of come to understand that that experience in a different way, but to take a moment and to reframe your life and say, you know what, I'm dead to what I used to do. That part of me is gone, but I'm, I'm making a decision from this, this point forward to live a different life um, and a life marked by things like kindness and gentleness and the fruit of the spirit, peace, patience, you know, the, the list, um, that to me was incredible. And we had a lot of those stories. Some students were so dramatically changed that their parents decided to start coming to church along with them, whether it was from a different church where they hadn't really felt connected, or maybe it was some parents that never went to church in the first place. But I think that there were so many really incredible stories of students. And honestly, at the end of the day, um, the other things that I'm going to talk about were, were very cool, but the stories are the reason that I did what I did. It's like the, the, the everything else will fade away. Um, those excitements, those events, like I, I'll come back and be like, man, that was super, super sick and super cool. But, um, but honestly, what makes me the most proud is looking back through pictures and notes and memories. And I have this, uh, this shoebox full of just notes and there's a, a bunch of student notes in there that just remind me of these moments um, and, and just remind me of the history of, of where students had come from, th- where, where the, uh, some of our greatest leaders that were just ex- exemplary and they're seniors and they leave and you're like heartbroken. Um, man, what were the stories? And, and thinking back to those moments, that's something to celebrate as well. And then we also had some very cool uh, 
events. There was one specific event that will always stand out in my mind as one of the coolest things that we ever did. And it was a rave type event where we set up an outdoor stage with black lights and a DJing station. And we had these bubble machines that were hung um, from trussing, like kind of flown above the platform. And on either side of the stage where these bubble machines were putting out bubbles, we had people with backpack blowers blowing the bubbles into the crowd. And these are like industrial bubble machines. This is not like your little cousin's bubble machine that puts out a little bit. Like th- these things were just crushing bubble. They're 55-gallon drums full of bubble solution that we were pulling from. And uh, and we had backpack blowers. We had a student, actually, that was a DJ that DJed some of our events. Did an incredible job every time, by the way. And uh, and he was out there, and man, was that just like one of the most insane moments. Um, I absolutely loved it. And then I think the third thing that I would look back on and just be so proud of was um, we had a small group structure where we did small groups throughout the week for students to meet in. And uh, and we had tried a couple different models of that, of how to do it. Do we do it on Wednesdays? Do we do it on Mondays? Do we do it in more of a free market structure where any day is possible? Um, do we structure the content or do we make it more accessible um, for different people with different interests? And we ended up deciding to do a free market structure where we opened up our groups. And worked so hard on finding leaders, talking to people, um, getting groups going and published. And that semester we started with 23 groups. And, uh, and for me, that was the coolest thing because it, it re- represented a level of access and a level of service to so many different people. We had a group that um, was an Xbox group and it was literally for middle school boys to come and play Xbox together and then just spend time and, and, uh, and be in community. And it was just one of the coolest things as a, as a youth pastor, as a staff member to have had a hand in creating an environment like that. Because again, if you think back to the story that helped me get into ministry in the first place, it was always all about the community for me. And, uh, and I hope that the people that were involved could feel that because that really was the key. That was the win for students to come, feel connected, feel like they have they found a place, find friends, um, and just feel safe. And, and that was huge. So those are some things for me that I just absolutely loved looking back on the job. Um, they were awesome. And I would say that I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Uh, in church work, there is a high, uh, a, a large emphasis on things like strengths finders and Enneagram, Myers-Briggs type indicator, um, these tools for self-discovery. Um, and it's so funny that that in the church, you learn that stuff a lot of times just to try to get more out of you, um, to find how you can utilize your strengths to have a bigger impact. Um, but even beyond church work, I mean, those things, they have legs, they, they transfer well. And so having the opportunity to have learned those things about myself in church work was, was really good. And I think that I'm glad that I had those opportunities. Let's talk about some regrets from my time. Thinking back over the six years of working in church, I definitely have regrets. I had mentioned earlier that I thank the volunteers that spent many, many hours of their time spending with me, but I think I actually, when I think back to that, I regret it a little bit. I regret the asks. We used to have a phrase, make them say the no, um, which I was pretty good at justifying that perspective, but I think in hindsight, um, we should have said no for people or at least exercise some level of restraint 
um, when asking people to do certain things. Understanding that it's hard to say no in church work. If you're a volunteer, it's very easy to justify spending hours and hours and hours and really, really investing yourself, feeling like you're making a big difference. And I regret the amount of asks that I made of people. I also regret the amount of asks I've made of myself. I think that I worked too much, worked too hard. Um, I was exhausted on my day off each week and just wanted to veg, sitting on the couch, watching uh, The Office, which is my favorite show in the world. And I would love to talk to you more about that if, uh, if you ever wanted to talk to me about The Office. But um, just sitting there and and just essentially disappearing, putting my mind on autopilot for the day because that's that was my form of, of self-protection um, and trying to rejuvenate, but never really doing a good job. I never came away from those times rested. Um, I just came away from those times, I don't even know what, how to describe it, but I guess ready to start again, but not really ready, kind of dreading the return. The Sunday scaries um, were a thing, but for different reasons, right? I guess maybe it would be really the Friday scaries looking towards the weekend being a little bit afraid, but, um, but just overwhelmed, overwhelmed by a lot of that experience. And I regret that. I, I kind of wish that we would have taken it slower, maybe made the youth ministry smaller. Um, that sounds counterintuitive and maybe even sacrilege for some people that believe that numbers are everything. Um, but it would have been more sustainable and probably healthier for me and the people that were involved if, if the goal wasn't always just to grow, grow, grow. Now, the last thing I wanted to do is talk about some of the reasons we decided to leave. And there are a lot of reasons. Anyone who has left a church I'm sure you was it wasn't always just one scenario that decided to make you leave. It wasn't one moment or point in time, um, but usually it's a lot of small things that come together to make you just feel unsettled and make it's time to make a change. Um, for us, there were some organizational stresses. I was having a hard time getting along with my direct reports. Um, I was having a hard time with the pay and the finances of what it looked like to, um, to, to continue in this role, especially as my financial situation hadn't really improved over the six years that I had worked there. Um, there was also the demands of the role themselves. I was constantly worried about work. Um, I always felt like I was behind and there was always something that I should be doing in any given moment. And that stress really took a toll on me and my emotional and mental health. I got to a place where I was constantly anxious, constantly stressed out about any event that was going on beyond what should have been a reasonable amount of stress for the role. I found myself biting my fingernails to the point of really having like bloodied fingertips or really, really hurting fingertips because I had, I kind of bit so far into the fingernail, sorry for the, um, the graphic detail. Um, and beyond that, I also started to pull the hairs out around the sides of my mouth, around my mustache. And it was just a, a way to find relief. I actually don't know too, too much of the science behind why somebody does something like that. Um, but I know that it was a direct result of the experience that I had in the role. I was having hard, a hard time sleeping. Um, I had put on a considerable amount of weight. 
And even the relationship with my own wife, I could tell that the role was starting to uh, take over that relationship. And I wasn't um, as gracious and I wasn't as loving as I should be uh, because I was so worried about what was happening in the ministry day in and day out. And the worst part of the whole thing was that I didn't feel successful. I, I had always felt like there was something more that I could do. I felt like if I just had a little bit more time or if I just had somebody else hired in to help me because I was the only staff member responsible for student ministry, if I could just have a little bit of help, um, not any more volunteers where I'm asking them for their time, but somebody who is committed to the role as their job. That's what really what I was hoping for. And um, I, I thought, man, if I could have that, then maybe it would it would all kind of come together in a way that it hasn't just yet. And all of that got to me. And that was the reason. That Those were the reasons, the frustrations, the mental health, the um, just not being in a good place anymore. It led us to think, you know what, maybe in a different context, this could work. And I wanted to try that. And so I went into those conversations about leaving with that intention of, hey, I don't want to leave ministry. I just, I don't feel like this is the best fit for me anymore in this particular context. And I was looking for a place where I felt more resourced, um, that I felt like my wife and I could thrive with maybe a little bit looser of a schedule where we could focus on each other, um, as opposed to feeling like success meant sacrificing my, my marriage on the altar of ministry. And that was a couple of the reasons, I'm sure there are more, but a couple of the reasons why we decided to make that change. This is a good time for me to answer another weekends off question. This question says, describe your ideal Sunday morning. And the assumption here is that it might not be going to church. Um, Or, you know, hey, if you are a church person and you're still attending a church, even though maybe you're not working at a church anymore, um, maybe it does include church. I'm I'm hoping that you are able to have a great church experience, even on the other side of your your church work experience. But uh, for me, I would say that my ideal Sunday would be sleeping in, um, waking up, getting some coffee, whether I'm making it at home or going to get some somewhere else. And then just being relaxed and unhurried, having nowhere to go, nothing to do, nothing to prove to anyone or any, uh, any achievables to achieve or deliverables to deliver, um, only relaxing. Maybe going for a walk would be nice. Walk with my wife, walk with our, my wife and our dog. Um, just a nice Sunday morning. That sounds incredible. I want to take the next couple of minutes to talk about the transition of leaving. Um, because this is something that I think a lot of people have questions about that are in ministry and they want to know, Hey, what does it look like to leave? Um, and while I can't tell everyone's story, but I can tell my own. And that's, that's my goal with this, uh, this pilot episode is to tell my own story on it. So here's what happened for me. Um, I had known that our organization valued being transparent about the desire to leave. Um, It had been communicated in a number of staff meetings, people who had left prior that hadn't made those intentions clear and kind of sprung it on the leadership is kind of the the way that we were told. Um, Those people were talked down about, and it was definitely known that you didn't want to be that guy if you ever wanted to be perceived in a good way once you left. So my wife and I, probably a year before we actually ended up leaving, 
um, had started having conversations and just saying, hey, I, I feel like this is not where I should be. Um, if I feel like there's more that, and again, we were using very like church centric language. So I would say, uh, I feel like God has more for me um, than this role. And I don't know what that looks like. Hopefully you can help me discover what that looks like. Again, this is me talking to lead pastor, um, but I'm overwhelmed. I, I feel like I'm overworked. I feel like I'm under-resourced. I feel stuck um, was a big language that I was using. And I also was just saying, I feel like it's time for something new. And so this conversation happened a, a number of times over and over the same conversation. And um, my lead pastor was very charismatic and was good at at saying the right things to help me relax and kind of bide some time on that conversation. But after about six months of those, those types of conversations, I came in and I had a very direct conversation where I was like, hey, I know that we've been talking about this for a while, but I think I just need to say that I think it's time for us to leave the organization. And the decision there for us, the back end of that, um, was we don't believe that the organization is what we want to work in. And a long time uh, coming, we had kind of assumed that maybe the organization would change. I think everybody talks about that. Oh, yeah, it's been a hard season. Like, uh, we're, we're about to, the, we've been running hard for a while and now it's time to relax or um, we're going to be able to hit our stride soon or something. Um, but after six years, I had never felt like we had ever had a season like that where we hit our stride and we were just cruising. Um, it always felt like it was just exhausting every week in, week out, month in, month out. And I didn't believe that it was going to change. I really had to come to terms with that myself. Like, I really don't believe that the organization will change because I, I started to understand that that was the organization. That type of pace is the organization, and there's no changing the, the DNA of the organization. Um, I just have to decide if that's the kind of life that I want to lead. Do I want to live that type of a life for my family, for myself? Um, and honestly, can I even handle it? What would happen? Um, there are scandals in the church. There are people that burn out, that quit, that get addicted to whether it's like severe alcohol um, addiction or something else. Uh, I, I felt like I was headed in that direction, just like kind of out of control. And I knew that I needed to make a change. And I was really hoping that there was going to be another church environment where I would be able to make that change. And so I went into, again, that conversation with my lead pastor, and I said, hey, and, and my wife was there, and we had one other person in the room with us, and said, hey, I feel like God's telling me that it's time to leave. And, uh, and that was an interesting conversation, because our lead pastor um, took it in a way that it's, for him, it seemed like we were springing it on him, which made my wife and I very confused, because we had said we'd been in conversations multiple intentional conversations over the last couple of months where we've expressed this desire. Um, maybe we haven't been as clear as we are now, but the conversations haven't been trending in the direction that we were hoping. Um, and so we feel like we need to be a little bit more clear about um, what we're looking for out of these conversations. And uh, and it was hard. It was a hard conversation. You could tell he was very frustrated. Um, he oscillated between being very supportive, like, of course, we love you. Um, we love Claire, which is my wife's name. And we want to help in any way we can. Um, and then in the next couple of sentences, it would kind of switch to like, I don't know if this is actually correct. Um, even the phrase was used that in some cultures, uh, if the lead pastor didn't hear that from God, then, then you couldn't have heard that from God. 
And it was said in a way where it was like, I'm not necessarily saying this, but I do want to bring it up. That is how it works in some places, which is essentially him potentially saying it, you know, like it's if, if I don't if I don't believe it, then you can't have heard that. Um, and honestly, I had, I have empathy in hindsight, like it must've been a hard conversation. We had been there for six years. Like, um, it will, it must've been difficult to think about us leaving. And, um, and the way that I came up, I entered at the church and I became a staff member. Like it kind of felt like my home. And so saying that you're leaving your home to somebody who is kind of responsible for the home, um, is difficult. So I'm, I, I could share more about that conversation and maybe I will at some point, but uh, that's how that went. And it kind of turned into a, okay, well, let's talk about what it looks like for you to leave. And so I started um, interviewing. I put my resume out um, on a number of websites. Uh, there are, are more uh, active search groups, things like Vanderblumen um, is an example of one, which is a church search group where they intentionally use your resume to connect with other churches who have paid them to find candidates for the role. Um, I had used some of uh, ministry church job boards, something called ministry jobs. Um, I had used a couple other headhunting contacts that I had made from f- some friends um, where, again, I had provided my name and I had provided some level of interest in some different types of roles. And then they write you down and now have the, have you in their back of their mind if they're having a conversation and somebody needs that. I think church, um, youth, youth ministry, staffing solutions, I, I think there were a couple. Uh, maybe I can provide some of that at some point. But, um, but I had also been connected with some friends and interviewed at some churches, one in Florida, um, one in Kansas City, which... Uh, I was actually a longer interview process. I had actually flown out there twice to interview there. And then a big part of the story is that I got an email from Elevation Church, uh, which is located here in Charlotte, which is where I live now, which may be a little bit of me showing my hand. Um, but, uh, But they reached out to me and essentially one of their head of HR said, hey, we found your resume on ministry jobs and we want to talk to you about about that. And your ministry journey, and I think the language was like, if if it's a good fit um, for something we're looking for. So that started an interview process with Elevation. So again, circling back and adding more context, I was working at the church still. I was interviewing at some churches, and nobody knew that I was doing it. And we were told that um, that we needed to keep it on the down low, and there was no timeline for a transition. And I guess I could circle back and be even more clear. It wasn't that we needed to keep it on the down low, is that we were not allowed to talk about it with anybody. And this included friends of ours that worked on staff. This included my own family um, who attended. They were I had some sisters that were in the youth group, so I couldn't tell my family, um, which is odd in hindsight. But I again, it it if you work in church, you maybe understand that that's just kind of how it is. The church wants to control the narrative of the conversation. So um, they don't want to say anything until you have a job and they have a essentially a marketing campaign for you leaving and them hiring in somebody else who's exciting and new and a fresh face. I'm pausing the story again to ask myself a weekends off question. This question says, what's a weekend activity that you like to take your time doing? And in parentheses, it says unhurried. And for me, this has to be mowing the lawn. There's something about going outside, 
taking your time, uh, making something that is a little bit messed up, look a whole lot better. Um, that is just really is nice for me. And I love doing it in a way that's unhurried. I can think like if I had to, um, be somewhere in the next like two hours, I needed to go outside and I needed to mow the lawn and come back inside and get showered. And there is something about that that would actually really take away from the, from the niceness of mowing the lawn. For me, I like a Saturday morning, afternoon, being able to go outside and, um, and just take my time. What, what do I want to do? Like I'm mowing the lawn. Oh, I got to trim this bush. Let's trim the bush up. You know, um, it's very nice to just unhurriedly mow the lawn on the weekend. I also, uh, would say that I like drinking coffee, go into a coffee shop and just be in there for as long as I want. They're not usually that long, but, but if I wanted to stay for longer, I could, um, man, these are good things. These are nice things to have to do with weekends off. Let's continue with the story. Well, after my interview at Elevation, I thought that it went well, but I wasn't offered a job. And there's more that I'll say about that experience in the next episode about moving to Charlotte and what it looked like to be apart. But what I'll say here is that during the interview process, they had put the idea into your mind that if you were called to the church, a job offer should not be the deciding factor of whether or not you pursue that calling. So simply put, if you don't get offered the job, maybe you should still consider coming. And my experience in the preview weekend and the interview process, it was very alluring. And though I wasn't offered a job in the end, there was enough of an experience there and enough encouragement from the staff at Elevation that I decided to move up to North Carolina anyways to consider or continue pursuing a, a full-time ministry role at Elevation Church. So I start coordinating that. I'm moving. And we decided to leave um, at the end of December 2018. And again, this was um, not our decision for a timeline. It was like coordinated with the staff, with the lead pastor. Um, and we all kind of des- decided that the end of December was the right time. And so January 1 would be like my the, this, the ending of my employment at the church. Now, I was hoping that we would tell people that I was moving so that I could kind of get that out there. I was waiting for the event where I could share that information with the church um, and especially the youth group, which again was my thing. Like I, I really cared about that. Um, and we got up to the last event. We did a monthly event. That was our bread and butter thing was a once a month event. And it was the first Friday of the month. So December, the first Friday of December rolls around. And we had already decided that we were moving like three weeks prior to this, right? So I didn't think there there was any chance that I wouldn't be able to talk about it at the element in December. And so I texted our lead pastor like three days before the event. And I said, hey, is it possible for me to share um, with the element like that I'm leaving? Is I just want to make sure that we're going to be able to do it at this event because it's the last one. And he just kind of laughed about it and said, no, you know, you're not telling them. And that was heartbreaking. I remember because I was, um, I was there and I got up on the platform and I remember thinking, this is the last time that I'm going to be up here in front of these people and they don't know. 
And these are students that I had like personal relationship with. I was pretty in touch with the students. Like I didn't feel like I was removed like some other youth pastors maybe in some larger contexts. But no, these are my people. And uh, and they were my heart and soul. Like everything that I had done the last six years, my life centered around this community. And I was told that I wasn't able to say anything. So I went up there and then I got off the platform. And um, it was just such a lonely feeling of, hey, well, why, why can't I tell these people and share this moment with them for myself and for them? And it was a decision from the church. They wanted to control the story. And honestly, I believe that they didn't have a good replacement lined up yet. And they wanted to make the announcement of me leaving at the same time that they were announcing who would be taking my place. And they were still interviewing. And so that negatively affected my leaving experience just because of that. And unfortunately, we're very um, based in convenience and the fact that we got to see each other. And my wife and I talk about this all the time because I can see how frustrating it could be for her and also for myself um, that these people that we considered friends just kind of stopped talking to us. Uh, But I have a bit of a more empathetic perspective on it because I think that if I were the people at the church and somebody else had left, I may have also done the same thing. Um, Not out of spite or frustration at all towards the person, but instead just out of self-preservation because of how difficult it is to maintain relationships. You whenever you're working in this environment, like every time you have a chance to call somebody on the phone, you feel obligated to call a volunteer. Every time you have your phone out to text somebody, you're looking at Planning Center Online, which is like a service planning app, and you're checking who hasn't confirmed for this weekend, and you're sending messages to that person. It's just like you don't have much space to have personal relationships and be social. Um, and so that is my justification for why people stopped talking to us is like, we just weren't there and they had other things that they needed to do. Um, I don't know if that's true. Maybe if somebody is there and they don't talk to us anymore, they might have a different reason for it. And they're like, screw you guys. We hate you. Um, or maybe they were just hurt by the way that we left. Um, but again, I would really say that that, that leaving experience was, uh, the result of the church telling us to do certain things and us just following their, uh, their direction. If I could go back in time and encourage myself and have a conversation in this season of leaving, I would have told myself that I should value the relationships of the people over the relationship with the church. And, and by church, I mean like that specific church that I worked at. And the reason for that is, uh, is I, I really feel like if I could have gone out of my way to have conversations with people sooner, like brought people into the process, um, and just kind of shared with them, both friends and high level volunteers who are professional adults who would understand, I think that we don't, we didn't give people enough credit, um, that they would understand. We have to like intentionally craft this narrative because, I don't know. I don't know why we thought so na- like so low of people that were in volunteer roles that are like professional adults. Um, but I I would have trusted them if I if I had if I could give myself advice like, hey, trust that these people will be okay. Talk to them about it, and and invite them into this process with you um, because you want to maintain these relationships. You want them to feel valued and like you care about them. Um, 
and also some key students. It would have been very good for me to have had an opportunity to share with them um, that I was leaving and that I I care about them and I care about the ministry and even to tell them like, hey, it just feels like our time here is done. I feel unsettled and like we should be doing, we need to be going and doing something else and that it has nothing to do with them. Those all could have been some very helpful things that I could have done differently. So this brings us to the end of this portion of the story. The end of December, Claire and I sell our condo, which we were living in, uh, put away that money to prepare to essentially bankroll three months of me volunteering at Elevation in the new year. Um, In addition to that, we packed up a rental van, an actual like minivan full of all of our belongings, and we were ready to move up to North Carolina and start a life in Charlotte. Next time on the podcast, we'll talk about what it looked like when we landed in Charlotte, my experience at Elevation, the decision to start working as a barista, and then how those things led to me getting an opportunity to interview and start a job with Bank of America. I'm excited to continue to share the story. Hopefully you join us for the next episode, but we will see you then. This has been the Weekends Off podcast. Thanks for listening. For more content like this or to get in touch, we are on Instagram at weekendsoffpod, all one word. Also, if you found this episode helpful, please consider sharing these stories with your friends or even consider leaving a review wherever you're listening. Thanks so much.